morning. Good morning. Hello. Good evening. Good afternoon. <laughs> I always say good morning. I just forget it's not everyone's morning. I like to say good morning and then I remember that it's not my morning either. Yeah. Although it you takes never me know what time like, no, that's, I don't know what time it is ever. What time is it right now? <laughs> what time does our show go on air at? <laughs> 9.02 p.m. No. <laughs> oh, p.m. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going for Scotland there. Yeah, I know. I dodged it. <laughs> So, Laura, happy mm-hmm. International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day. We thought we should celebrate and um, talk about some sexism, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, are we talking about sexism? No, we don't actually have any on the, well, yeah. I mean, we'll bring it up. I'm, I'll I find think a at way. most we're just going to kind of tackle a female author, which seems a bit mean to do today, yeah. but. Although, I don't know, but, we're not being too mean. It's all fair. We're not being mean. We're holding people accountable exactly. and if that's not feminism i don't know what is <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading just now laura um i become like a terrible at finishing books kind of person i'm currently reading dance macabre by um i don't think that's the right way to say it by stephen king it's like mm. another one of his like um memoirs it's really good I've never read, read a single one of his, like, horror novels, but I really love the way he, like, writes, like, memoirs. So I just enjoy his writing stuff. Um, <laughs> what are you reading? I'm going to buy you it for Christmas. <laughs> I will never read it. I think it would scare the life out of me because yeah. I know he's got to be good, right? You're not so really a horror girl. Well. Yeah, no, not a horror girl. What are you reading, Law? Midnight Sun. Oh, I'm nearly finished. I'm really close yeah, to Yeah, how end. long? Can we, like, throw, like, a major party when that's done? Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm so, so, so excited, actually. I'm just really how, excited. How far through are you? Um, yeah. I've just gotten to, like, um, they're past the baseball scene. So I'm, like, in the, the, you know, the home straight. I'm, like, nearly there. I mean, um, I was more asking for page numbers. Oh, I have no idea. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, okay, in, like, cool. I'm in, like, the 500s, I think. Maybe the 600s. How many are they, like, 700? Yeah. But I don't know, like, I was, I'm just not really into this bit. Like, this is kind of the action bit. And I'm like, mm, mm. did I really come for, like, the action in Edward's perspective? No. Like, do I <laughs> what really did care? you come for? The emotion. <laughs> the self-deprecation. You know me. Being about a depressed country, like, seven-year-old vampire. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm, I don't really care. Only Edward Cullen could write 700 pages about himself. I know. That's the thing. People complain about it, but it's like, it, like sure, but it's consistent. Like, it's, it's if so she came brand. out with like a two hundred page little novella, that that would have been so inaccurate. That wouldn't have been true to him. He's not a concise person. We know this. He's not a great I mean, communicator. Kind of, we know this. <laughs> it's kind of funny to me because you look at like Veronica Roth's like, um, full like sure. retelling, and I swear to God, it's like fifty pages. Nice. And then you look at Stephanie Myers like. Edward Cullen's perspective <laughs> do you know Madness. she said she's like never writing an Edward's perspective again because it was too depressing and I'm like <laughs> it's it too, depressing too depressing reading it so, like, yeah. <laughs> so totally fair enough <laughs> oh gosh um should we give everyone I know we did model instruments last week we've decided to do it again because yeah, we have more thoughts. yeah we just got well I'll actually I'll put this on me this is all my fault Basically, I like continued listening to the audiobooks after we did last week's show, but I'd only been listening to them to do last week's show. But then I got like just really into them. And now I have so many thoughts, and I'm like, I need to share this with someone. And I was like, How, how about I share it with all of you? How about the and platform Laura is created to share these thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> and Laura's being a very good sport and letting me continue to rant about this. I mean, they're good um, thoughts. If they were bad thoughts, I'd be less inclined. I mean, and that's what I like about you. You keep me honest. Exactly, exactly. Monitoring my thoughts. I appreciate it. Um, Laura, do you want to give them like a really quick refresh of like the Mortal Instruments world? Oh, do I? Gosh. Okay, so Clary is just a normal, everyday New York girl. uh, And then she finds out she's not any of those things. And she's actually a shadow hunter, which means she's half angel. Oh, part angel, part human. Um. And she has to find her mom who's gone missing, has been kidnapped by kind of the Voldemort of the Shadowhunter world, Valentine. Um, and he's looking for the Mortal Cups. So we can make more Shadowhunters. Whole spiel. And then he, um, well, yeah, we basically 
she falls in love with Jace, who she turns out believes is her brother. He's not actually her brother, but they have a bit of a relationship while thinking that they're brother and sisters. That's fun. And if you're concerned about that, we discussed that in the last episode. So I don't want anyone to think yeah. we're just like skipping over that. Like that's not really fine. important. <laughs> we've got like last episode, so go give that a listen. And um, then basically, we find out that Valentine's actually Clary's father, and um, that's kind of the first book set up. And then the rest of the series is way too complicated to get into right now. I'm sorry. Go listen to it. Go read it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the only other thing I want to add, I think you might have said it, but I'm not entirely sure. Whoops. Um, is like there's also like a whole other world of like there's werewolves and vampires mm-hmm. and like fairies and warlocks. Um, so there's this entire like world structure that she's built. Yeah, that was a pretty solid like speed yeah. course of that one. Crash course, speed course, <laughs> speed course, <laughs> speedy crash course. <laughs> this is a really speedy crash course. Better be speeding to crash. <laughs> point i know i'm not sure if that's entirely true but like as a driver as a licensed driver (laughs) i can tell you it's true (laughs) laura i'm pretty sure you could crash without speeding i'm like 95 percent sure you're yep i have crashed and i've never sped so (laughs) (laughs) mythbusters um so i'm gonna read an excerpt from basically clary's brother sebastian I'm reading an excerpt from the third book, and in this book, Clary's real brother, Sebastian, rather than Jace, the one who she thought was her brother that isn't anymore, and now they get to celebrate and, like, ride off into the sunset. Um, and so I thought it'd be really interesting to, like, have a little bit of a chat about, like, uh, Clary's mother's treatment of Sebastian, her real son, because Sebastian was, like, corrupted by, like, demon blood and by his father. Um and this is like Jocelyn just telling the story of how she realized that that was what was going on for her son. Um, yeah, have I described that right? Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> just checking. I was like, that sounded really confused in my head. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> not a non-confusing way to explain it. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how like Cassandra Clare comes up with this. Basically, Clary's mum, when pregnant, was like injected with demon blood, and that like turned her like like her pre-birth what's the word yeah. not pre-birth i think alpha buff and wicked baby turned green the baby turned demon yeah yeah exactly thank you that'll yeah. work um and this is jocelyn talking about that um after luke died it was like i fell into a black pit jocelyn said i spent months in my bedroom sleeping all the time eating only because of the baby Mundanes would call what I had depression, but shadow hunters don't have those kinds of terms. Valentine believed I was having a difficult pregnancy. He told everyone I was ill. I was ill. I couldn't sleep. I kept thinking I heard strange noises, cries in the night. Valentine gave me sleeping drafts, but those just gave me nightmares. Terrible dreams that Valentine was holding me down was forcing a knife into me or that I was choking on poison. In the morning, I'd be exhausted and I'd sleep all day. I had no idea what was going on outside. No idea that he'd forced Stephen to divorce Armitus and marry Selene. I was in a daze. And then, Nelson nodded her hands together in her lap. They were shaking. And then I had the baby. She fell silent for so long that Clary wondered if she was going to speak again. Jocelyn was staring sightlessly toward the demon towers, her fingers beating a nervous tattoo against her knees. At last, she said, my mother was with me when the baby was born. You never knew her, your grandmother. She was such a kind woman. She would have liked her, I think. She handed me my son, and at first I knew only that he fit perfectly into my arms, that the blanket wrapping him was soft, and that he was so small and delicate, with just a wisp of fair hair on the top of his head. And then he opened his eyes. Jocelyn's voice was flat, almost toneless, yet Clary found herself shivering, dreading what her mother might say next. Don't, she wanted to say. Don't tell me. But Jocelyn went on and the words poured out of her like cold poison. Horror washed over me. It was like being bathed in acid. My skin seemed to burn off my bones and it was all I could do not to drop the baby and begin crying. They say every mother knows her own child instinctively. I suppose the opposite is true as well. Every nerve in my body was crying out that this was not my baby, that it was something horrible and unnatural, as inhuman as a parasite. How could my mother not see it? 
but she was smiling at me as if nothing were wrong. His name is Jonathan, said a voice from the doorway. I looked up and saw Valentine regarding the scene before him with a look of pleasure. The baby opened his eyes again, as if recognising the sound of his name. His eyes were black, black as night, fathomless as tunnels dug into his skull. There was nothing human in them at all. There was a long silence. Clary sat frozen, staring at her mother in open-mouthed horror. That's Jace she's talking about, she thought. Jace when he was a baby. How could you feel like that about a baby? Mum, she whispered. Maybe, maybe you were in shock or something. Or maybe you were sick. That's what Valentine told me, Jocelyn said emotionlessly. But I was sick. Valentine adored Jonathan. He couldn't understand what was wrong with me. And I knew he was right. I was a monster. A mother who couldn't stand her own child. I thought about killing myself. I might have done it too. And then I got a message, delivered by Fireletter from Ragnafell. He was a warlock who had always been close to my family. He was the one we called on when we needed a healing spell, that sort of thing. He'd found out that Luke had become the leader of a pack of werewolves in Brosland Forest, by the eastern border. I burned the note once I got it. I knew Valentine could never. But it wasn't until I went to the werewolf encampment and saw Luke that I knew for certain that Valentine had lied to me. Lied to me about Luke's suicide. It was then that I started to truly hate him. Whew. A lot to unpack there. Don't know where to start. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to start with the fact that she starts to hate Valentine after she realises that her best friend didn't actually die and not yeah. when she realises that her baby's been poisoned by Valentine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's kind of a weird... Uh... Yeah. Well, does she realize that Valentine poisoned him or does she think it was just a Actually, to be fair, I think in that part of like her like monologue, she doesn't know mm-hmm. it yet. Yeah, no, I mean, she, she doesn't make the connection. Then... Yeah. I I think so. I think when you've got this guy who's all about like purifying like a race <laughs> and you have a baby that's looking a bit that's nervy, a like a little bit <laughs> um, maybe start connecting some dots there. Um <laughs> I don't but know how I, I feel about the, the I had what mortals would describe or mundanes would describe as depression. <laughs> and it's like, did the Shadowhunters not get depressed? <laughs> Are they kind of like what? above depression or? I think it's like, <laughs> ironically, I think it's a very like, it's kind of a similar society to like the British stiff upper lip vibe of mm. like, they get yeah, depression get and that. they have like, with Alec as well like the oh like we know people are gay but we just don't talk about it and like it's not an explicit rule but you just can't mention it under um, the rug under the rug yeah under goes um it just makes yeah, sense no, I like, yeah yeah I, I hope they weren't implying that they're above getting depression because that's just I don't think so weird. I hope not but then I feel like she's she's like um I had what people would describe as depression but it wasn't really depression it was actually demon blood inside me like it's kind of like it could have been depression, but it wasn't. It was like something biological. Like, come on, yeah. don't be, don't be silly. I also like. I mean, the whole like thing to me speaks of like. I think we spoke about this before, Laura, and you said um, postnatal psychosis. Yeah, postpartum. Um, no. uh, postpartum. God, my words yeah. today. Um, yeah, and I think it's. I like. I'm not sure what aspect of that whether it undermines that experience. Mm. or somehow realizes it if that like I feel like it's definitely a a reference to it I mean you can't have written that and not been having that sort of mental disorder in mind like I feel like I don't know they're they're very very similar things but I think in her mind she was like oh it's just like psychosis like it's just like this but it's it's not her being like I, I had this mental illness where like I thought I hated my baby and I didn't and I got through that it's her being like yeah. but it was all true and the baby is actually a demon and I was right to have these fears and right to have these thoughts um, and then I think on that like line of thinking it then undermines people who have these thoughts and aren't like technically right to have them mm-hmm. like it undermines their experience and how like distressing and painful yeah. that is and like because there's another like, level of distress because she's right like she she kind of has a the ability to hate her husband and the ability to kind of hate her son because she's right but like for people yeah. who actually go through this you know this it's psychosis it's not real it's you know hallucinations and it's so it's a very very yeah. different experience there's another and, level of difficulty 
there's like an aspect of gaslighting to it as well for them, mm. like that they think this and everyone's telling them it's not true and they're convinced of it. I think that, yeah, I think, and I think it's also a really interesting thing to put in a young adult because like, I mean, generally you are not expecting your audience to have any experience of like pregnancy whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, let alone like pay, uh, postpartum depression. And like, I mean, at most, if they had any experience of it, it would have been from them as babies and like their parents having an experience of it. So it's a really weird like topic choice. I just don't think, I honestly just don't think she thought about it. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. I honestly think that she put it in and she was like, oh, cool, it's like that. And just didn't really think anyone would think anything of it. And honestly, not that many people have, I suppose. But yeah, there's definitely this kind of, uh, just just a detachment from the issues that she discusses yeah which we'll sometimes go on to I again think, but yeah <laughs> so that comes back. <laughs> I think that she just like can't help herself like I think there's this aspect of she just like just has to try it and put it in because she wants to explore this and I'm not and sure that Cassandra does. Claire has any concept of like privately exploring things through writing like I have a feeling that anything she writes she's like publish it go well like, I mean done. surely like if she hasn't <laughs> if she's not publishing everything she's writing I'm, I'm shocked <laughs> like, oh my god that would be a very good point but, like terrifying <laughs> oh yeah like imagine like if she did have like a cutting process imagine the things that wouldn't oh make god. the cut like if this is what makes the cut Christ um, like she's yeah, just putting out like, god, like two books a, a year like there's no way she's doing anything privately yeah and I mean, I guess, yeah. And we can also tell she's not doing anything privately. Because, like, I mean, if you're going to explore the, like, concept of incest, you're probably going to do that privately if you have the capacity <laughs> to do that privately. <laughs> I just don't think she does. Yeah. <laughs> I also think there's a bit of, like, what we kind of talked about with John Green and then him having this kind of arrogance with assuming that his characters and his writing lines up to, like, real-life experiences like Anne Frank. I feel like with her, she's exploring issues that she has no, ex- well, I mean, I don't know her personal life, but assuming she has yeah. no issue, like no experience with, she, surely she can't have experience with every issue she tackles. Otherwise, yeah. like what a, what Rough a woman. Life. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think she just kind of, like she's, she has a lot of belief in her writing, which is nice, but it also translates to her um, feeling like her writing can tackle issues she doesn't understand and she's like well it's really good so it must be fine and not really having the perspective of someone who's actually gone through it totally and I also like I get the sense that she doesn't do a lot of research and like I think this is a minor not like a major issue but a minor issue with like fantasy writers is that they think like oh it's a fantasy world I don't really have to do like much like research because like I yeah. get to make it all up Mm-hmm. But then they lose touch with little points like this that are very much, like, grounded in, like, real life yeah. and not in fantasy worlds. And um, when you kind of go out of your way to make these things al- allegorical, which she does, yeah. like, she definitely yeah. loves a good allegory. Um, like, you, you can't just, you know, you, you can't benefit from being like, this applies to real life, but then also be like, but it's not real. So you can't really hold me yeah. accountable for anything because, like, it's not real. It's like either it's real or it's not. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't and, like have the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think she also has this like this idea of like not really having. Oh, actually, I mean, I guess this one she maybe does have experience with. But when you consider like Jace and his like kind of like in a sense his battle with his genetics, mm. um, like this idea of like him, he originally thinks he's a demon and like has demon blood and can't be anything but evil and is Valentine's son and is, like, like kind of predetermined to be this terrible person. Yeah. And then we flip to him realising that he's an angel and he's just, like, God's gift to the world. And, like, his personality <laughs> shifts are so, like, interesting to watch from, like, like, an analytical perspective. I mean, also, like, fairly, I mean, have you met a man? Like <laughs> they make those shifts. <laughs> like it's not. It's not that <laughs> independence women. Independence women. Happy independent. Like, I mean, it's not. It's not insane. That's all I'm saying. It's not a leap. Oh, I don't know why I said independent. I meant international. 
<laughs> Happy Independence Day. Day. Just for the single ladies out there. Any of you who are in a relationship, this isn't for you. <laughs> Leave. God. Unless you're in a relationship with a man who thinks he's a demon, in which case yeah, you're an independent. Unfair. Yeah. You need you need some help. You can be a Get part of help. it. I completely got distracted from what we were um, saying. <laughs> Jake kind of deter uh he self-determines. He what yeah. he thinks he is, he is he succumbs to that curse or that blessing. Absolutely. And I think it's a really I think that's probably something that is so continued through like literature. Like this isn't a new thing mm. of this idea of like two different personalities. The uh, like, duality of man. Yes. Yeah. Like we, we see it, it with like Jekyll and Hyde and we see it with um her Paradise Lost, which like um she Cassandra Clare like references Paradise Lost like throughout the entire She's a fan. Like, Series. She, I'll tell you what, she did EN 2003. <laughs> she, she did EN 2003. <laughs> she not only has read Milton, she knows him personally. Um, it's half as lost. I'm just going to say that now. That, that's all you need okay. to know. <laughs> Which I didn't hate. Seriously, to be able to find like enough quotes from Paradise Lost to, dis- to sustain like the intros to each chapter of seven novels. I like, honestly think she probably had nice. more quotes for paradise lost on her wall out of her own volition than i did like on my quote bank going into that exam like and i had like maybe 30 or 40 she must i have no idea you know what upset me so much is i started reading this right after the exam right after i'd hunted through the book to try and find all my quotes and then i like opened the book and there's a quote right there and i was just like you know what cassandra claire you know what the descent into hell it's not easy it's not no it is easy I don't know. I can't really remember. It's really easy. All you have to do is open a Cassandra Clare book. Yeah, Done. then you're there. Happy <laughs> <laughs> International Women's Day. <laughs> All right. That was a bit harsh. I'll admit that. Apologies <laughs> to Cassandra. They're good books. I got carried away. We clearly do um, enjoy them. Yeah, She's I really well do enjoy I think that's your point. She clearly is well-read. And she know, loves the literature. Like, I don't like when people like... I mean, this is us just having reference Jekyll and Hyde and Paradise Lost in like two minutes. But I hate when like authors throw them being like themselves being good read mm-hmm. in like audiences' faces. Like in her other series, she has like um, Will Herondale like quote a tale of two cities just like relentlessly. <laughs> and like I'm just like, yeah, we get it. He's read a book. Like, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well. Like, it's one thing in like adult literature when people have read that how many people I mean you're probably in in the very very small minority who have read Paradise Lost and then read The Martial Instruments yeah (laughs) like I can't happen very often and it's like they're not getting the quote it's just kind of like showing off and yeah and I don't know I also also think a lot of people would have gone oh I'll read Paradise Lost it's it's like what The Martial Instruments is based on and then picked up and been like oh on those Earth. poor people <laughs> that is so rough olds. <laughs> that's what i, I was like in prose like... soaring above various mounts <laughs> oh god in prose and poetry even oh oh god just those that's just that's got to be like some level of like illegal to like put that on young adults yeah i mean i felt it was irresponsibly inflicted upon us and <laughs> we were paying to study it <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually did enjoy it. I just think end. someone higher up should have like yeah. flagged that down as an issue. <laughs> we were both saying yesterday um, that Paradise Lost, like when we were reading it, all we did was talk about how much we hate it. But like now we're like, you know what? It was nice. It was nice to have something to hate. It was nice to have something <laughs> to read that we hated, but we enjoyed. And like looking back, it was good. It was pretty good. Like it yeah. could have been worse. Well, I just, like, I haven't, like, hate-read anything in a long time because of, like, our degree. Because, like, I mean, we hate-read things, but it's, like, reluctantly hate-reading, whereas, like... Yeah, but we passionately hate-read that. (laughs) It was great fun, like, and we just, like, send each other quotes being, like, read this, read it with your own two eyes and tell me that's not ridiculous. It's whenever Um, Eve came on, I was, like, time for some sexism, time for some misogyny, (laughs) like, let's have a fight. John Milton... Put your guard up. I'm coming for you. I still remember getting texts from you and you'd be like, you're never going to believe what Milton said now. <laughs> he's, I can't, you're not, you're not going to believe this. He's a sexist. I know, I know he said it in the first book, but like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> it was so funny. 
Anyway, we've digressed so much. Sorry, guys. The topic of today is moral instruments, not yeah. Paradise Laws. <laughs> we should do a Paradise Laws <laughs> <Lost> episode. <laughs> no. Oh, God. <laughs> it would be fun, though. Just we really run out of ideas. Yeah, no, if we really are struggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I just wanted to talk about really quickly on the same Jay's note is this idea of, like, nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Because we completely see that as well with him. He's raised firstly by, like, a tyrannical father. Yeah. And then who's, like, got plans for genocide. And then he goes to this, like, adopted Good family, the Lightwoods, who just, like, raise him alongside, like, their yeah. own, like, two children. And he gets, like, a sense of, like, found family and, like, this kindness and, like, um, just, like, being a relatively normal teenager for someone mm-hmm. who knows how to, like, hold and use two swords at once. Um, <laughs> it's quite, I mean, it kind of inhibits your your life a bit, I guess. <laughs> you would think, just a little bit. Um, and I think that's so interesting, like, the argument that Cassandra Clary is making because she's actually not, like, I don't think personally that she's advocating for, like, nature or nurture i think she is advocating for like self-determinism yeah because she's saying from the beginning like jace is good he is good but when he believes that he has no choice but being bad he's like well i'm evil like this is all i he just accepts that it's very very oedipus isn't it and i think there's something in that that says like the power oh totally oedipus sorry Mm -hmm. i'd already had a fully (laughs) thought that was already in there (laughs) it was already locked you've got to be quick if you're on the radio you can't (laughs) You can't slow down. <laughs> I'd already cued the thought. Um, it's totally Oedipus. <laughs> like, 100%. It's this idea of, like, and then I think it speaks to the power of the individual. Whatever they believe, they can, like, um, realise. They can create this and this reality. Um, and I, I just thought it was such, like, a powerful idea that I'm not sure that, like, Cassandra Clare would have fully realised what she was doing with that idea. Yeah. I think she definitely, I mean, she's clearly influenced by the classics. She's clearly influenced by the epics. I think she definitely wanted to do something about self-determinism. But um, yeah, I I, I agree. I don't think she kind of, I think it was kind of accidental how well done it was. (laughs) But she was like such a horrible thing to say. We were so nice about Cassandra Clare last week. I I feel really bad. Maybe yeah, maybe it's just been a rough week for us. Maybe this is yeah. nothing bad. <laughs> Pin it on someone else. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think – oh, I was just going to say something, but it's gone. What did you just say? Um, oh, I think yeah. it wasn't accidental how well she did the self-determinism, but I think it may have been accidental the message of empowerment that, like, the self-determinism mm. sends. Yeah, I It kind of is yeah. to say you can make your life how you want it. Like, if you think, yeah. like – really deeply about it but we're deep thinkers on this show Laura yeah I know um, yeah. <laughs> um and then in that sense I also like I think it's really interesting like with the self-determinism this pattern within the books of like falling in love with like powerful people yeah because we see it like throughout like we see it with Valentine and Jocelyn like Jocelyn completely mm-hmm. falls in love with this like it's like terrible psychotic, yeah. <laughs> psychotic like person like poisons babies locks up demons has an uh, angel tied down in his basement like God. i mean like do you not who even comes up with that idea what's a basement for it's not, oh, it's not no no i'm not against it i just don't have a basement like if i did i would i'd do it but oh well i just don't have one it just feels like a poorly constructed house i'm sorry like i mean i agree I'll take where do you get your your power from? Like, where do you? <laughs> I don't get it. Where Where do you get the angel blood to inject into your yeah. unborn children? I don't. How I do don't you, know. I, how do you do that? I've had some supply issues because of that, um, which is a shame. Coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, I think we should probably go to a song in a minute because we have been yeah. chatting these people's ears <laughs> up for a half hour. Um, not that it hasn't been their absolute pleasure to listen to us. Um. um and when we come back, I'd like to chat more about how you fall in love with Valentine. Yeah, let's do it. Let's fall in love with Valentine. Let's find let's out. Do it. Let's do like a social this experiment. Is, <laughs> this is all about us. Uh, enjoy.
Take my hand, I'll teach you to dance. I'll spin you around, won't let you fall down. Would you let me lead? You could step on my feet, give it a try. It'll be Hush, hush, and now it's our moment Take it in, feel it all and hold their Eyes on you, eyes on me We're doing this right Cause lovers dance when they're feeling in love Spotlight shining, it's all about us It's all about us And every heart in the room will melt This is a feeling you've never felt but It's all was one of my personal favorite songs from the Mortal Instrument soundtrack. I don't remember, remember it at all. I literally, I, I don't remember it at all, but um, I enjoyed it. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't really get into Mortal Instrument soundtrack. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know, I just didn't get into it. I always thought it was one of those, like, sneaky soundtracks where it just kind of, like, it was better than I thought it would be. Yeah. I don't think I, I had much hope for it. That was probably yeah. it. Fair enough. Shadowhunters TV series had a really good soundtrack as well. Like, like the only, <laughs> the only thing it had. <laughs> so that's your thing. And what's his name with the blue eyes? Oh, Dom Perignon. No, no. Oh, Daddario. Um, Alexander. Oh. No, Matthew. No, Matthew. <laughs> I do that every time. Not Alexandra. <laughs> okay. Uh- <laughs> Let's let's yeah. talk about it. Like Matthew Daddario. I'm kidding, like he wasn't Matthew. that powerful. <laughs> I mean, like being in Shadowhunters TV, you hold a lot of power. True. On the Netflix original Shadowhunters TV. <laughs> <laughs> I filmed on like a soundstage that. in Toronto somewhere or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are being mean tonight. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. Right. Uh, this morning. We're not mean moods, clearly. <laughs> Don't cross us. Um, I think, so there's, like, this scene where, like, Jocelyn, like, explains why she fell in love with Valentine. Mm-hmm. And, like, pretty much her whole excuse, I mean, not excuse, that's a bit harsh. Um, her reasoning. whole reasoning is this idea that, like, 
who's like, oh, well, like I knew him when he was really young and his ideas were just ideals. Like I never thought he'd actually do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that is That speaks to me of like, you know, when you meet someone, like a girl who's quite like liberal left wing and like everything, but her boyfriend is like really homophobic. And it's like, it's like, oh, but he doesn't mean it. And it's like, he says it though. Like, yeah. it's always just like, like well, they wouldn't really... act on it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's okay then. <laughs> they just, they just say the things. Like, they just think them. <laughs> like, also, like, typically words come like right before actions. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, so that was like a very interesting justification. But I think under all of that, there's also this aspect of like, she was very young mm. and she watched him grow up. And he grows up and he's, you know, like when you're teenagers and someone has a strong, like, opinion and beliefs, it's like there's quite, like, there's an aspect of charisma to it. And yeah. someone is so sure of themselves and what they want in life. And I think um, as well, Jocelyn growing up, I mean, we, we had quite differing views on Jocelyn. I always saw her mm-hmm. as, like, quite privileged growing up and, like, kind of was a bit of a princess and, like, quite a naive and ignorant and then she kind of went through everything she went through and she had to kind of like realize the real world. And I think her growing up quite detached from everything outside like high shadow hunter society, it's kind of easy to, to like overlook those things when you have that kind of privilege and that kind of experience when, you know, it doesn't feel like a real thing to hate downworlders because you've hardly ever met any. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think, yeah, when it's such an abstract concept that like it's just like oh mm-hmm. well like um I think the reason I took that differently originally but like now that you've said it I'm like 100% with you like but I think I took it differently originally because of the idea that like Cassandra Clare presents not with Jocelyn but with like the other Shadowhunter children like through like um Izzy and Max and Alec and how we see that like this shadow hunting life like exposes you to like these really terrible things so early on I think Um, the difference for them is that they grew up in New York. Yeah. Yeah, not in this protected homeland. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, like, I always had this image of them kind of like, I guess, like, as the marauders, um, where, like, one of them went bad um, when I was, like, younger. And now I keep realising, like, no, no, they, like, they were all bad. Like, some of them just, like left when it got terrible mm-hmm. um but like they were all complicit um which exactly. I didn't really understand when I was like 12 god what was wrong with me I was an idiot <laughs> didn't quite uh, catch on to that <laughs> shame on 12 year old me uh, <laughs> but guilty by yeah, association I yeah I completely agree she was super privileged she was the princess mm-hmm. of that world and even this idea of like having like being married to the heir of yeah, the shadow hunter world really um because whether she knew he was going to do it badly or not she knew he was going to do it mm-hmm. like she knew he was going to become a prominent and powerful person in that world and whether or um, not she agreed with him she was okay with it she could justify being around him like regardless of being with him and being married to him she was okay with hearing those things and like being and, in company with him yeah and it's interesting that like for her it only became an issue when like when her work, when her like personal life yeah. became collateral, like Definitely. when Luke gets like turned into a werewolf, when her baby is messed with, and like to be fair, when someone messes with your baby, yeah. like that would change that your mind. It's a final straw <laughs> moment for me. That's like, where I, I draw the line. Like... <laughs> Personally, I know it's crazy, but <laughs> I think at that point it's time to reconsider. Um, <laughs> but like, surely there's final straws before that as well. Yeah, in definitely. her world, like. Yeah, if you were, I think I think the thing with her, she willingly overlooked red flags because it was her childhood friend. He was a powerful person, and it felt more, it felt more like outrageous and more risky to leave him than to stay with him because that's all she's ever known. It's all she's ever been around. Um, There's also something in the protection of a powerful person. In Mm -hmm. like, I think of like in like middle school when you see someone like when you have a bully and you have the two people who are the bully's friends and they're okay with everything because they know they're never going to be bullied that they're like they're inside like the protective bubble 
and they just get to kind of like sit back and watch the show in a really weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's definitely that aspect for Jocelyn is like she would have always felt safe. Yeah, like nothing's ever affected her before. Why would this? Yeah, exactly. Um, which is yeah, just weird. Um, and then I think it translates really interestingly to like Jason Clary, mm-hmm. um, because I mean we know that Jace isn't Valentine's son, but we do know that he raised that Valentine raised Jace until yeah. he was like seven years old, ten. He was ten. Um, and he definitely has like some of his like the way he carries himself and his like same charisma. Yeah. He has also like the same like capacities to like be idealistic and to like talk people, like to bring people into his world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that a lot with Clary that he can like, even when he like says like all the stories are true and like all these things that just kind of wrap her up and like make her fall in love with the world and him. Yeah. Um, he likes being the one to introduce her to it because he likes being able to control her relationship with it. And not even necessarily yeah. in a toxic way. I think he just likes being admired and he likes having her admire him because he admires her yeah. equally. I mean, to be fair, who doesn't like to be loved? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I think, yeah. And then I always wonder for Clary, like, what it is that attracts her to Jace. Because, like, I mean, to be fair, if it's Jamie Campbell Boa, not much fair. of a mystery. <laughs> I mean, even if it's Dom Perrington, it's not that much of a mystery. Yeah. Um, but, like, is it this? Is it the idea that Jace has the same level of, like, or will have the same level of power that his father has, like, albeit in, like, a different direction? Yeah, I think uh, as well with Kari. Like, so she, she grew up so shielded. She grew up being, like, physically shielded from a Shadowhunter world. She couldn't yeah. see any of it. And even though she didn't know she was being shielded, like, she definitely was aware that something was going wrong. And you see even from, like, the first chapter when she goes into the club and, you know, it's kind of risky and she's breaking the law and, like, all this sort of stuff. She, she likes rebelling. She likes yeah. that feeling. And she doesn't, she, you know, she's bored by people like Simon. As much as she loves Simon, she's bored by him. She doesn't want to be, you know, it's not, it's not attractive to her. She wants someone who's kind of risky and exciting and powerful and she finds that in Jace. Like, she's, she's bored by other things. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, as much as I think she's crazy for being bored by Simon if he looks anything like he does in the film. Yep. <laughs> um, but I like, yeah, I agree. I think she is bored. And I think that speaks really, I think that's such a clever thing that Cassandra Clare did because mm-hmm. typically the girls who are 12, 13, 14 reading these stories are ones who are bored by their world. Exactly. Like when I was that age, I wanted more. And I mean, I still do. This is why I still talk about young adult Honestly, right now I would like, I am a bit bored as it goes. Like I would like to, to not be, be doing it. But, um, I would really? like to be Are in a studio bored? right now. In the UK, what, in, in lockdown? Yeah, just no a bit. Just a tad. That's crazy. <laughs> what are the chances? Um, but I think that's half the magic of Jace and half the magic of the series is that it takes... Yeah. And I think most YA do this like really often, partially because they have to introduce a new character to the world so that they like can have an excuse to explain the world to like the reader. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's a, um, a nice. I like it as a concept actually because I you feel like less alone in the world. <laughs> you feel less stupid yeah. like not knowing these things. Although I think it has an interesting way of always making you feel like you are that character who's being introduced. Like yeah. you are always Percy Jackson, or you are Clary, or you are Harry Potter. Um, and so it's like an interesting thing if you like more identify with Hermione um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I really like it, and it's a really clever way to like introduce people to the world. Yeah, but I think Cassandra Clare just like was. I think it was just such a clever, clever thing to do to pull in that teenage girl by being like, "Hey, here's another teenage girl who feels the exact same way she does, and her life changes tomorrow. Yours could too." Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm still waiting. Yeah, but, I mean. I'm- kind of running out of time but uh yeah. <laughs> no longer like, teenage like girls so <laughs> i feel like after i turn 21 my chances of like realizing that i'm actually shadow hunt is pretty slim it's um, like no no oh, diminishing <laughs> i do hate that i hate that there's all these cutoffs like the hogwarts cutoff was the first one like what age was that like 12 we were like oh 12, 11 11 thank you 
like at 11 I was like oh I'm not going to Hogwarts going to Hogwarts but like I could still be a shadow hunter I could still go to mm-hmm. Camp Half-Blood and they just then you get to like 17 18 and it's like then you're no longer a dancing queen and it just gets worse <laughs> life just goes downhill from there <laughs> I'm pretty sure all we've got left is 22 by Taylor Swift and that's it we're done oh god yeah um, it's gonna be a good one <laughs> anyways moving on anyway moving on <laughs> Something even cheerier. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this idea of like love because when Jocelyn um, like falls in love with Valentine, there is an argument that she's completely blind to everything that he's done that's like bad. Um, and like I think there is that aspect of like that when you grow up next to someone, you can't actually see their turning point. Like, mm. you never reach the point where you go. I think it's very hard to see the turning point, but I think a lot of it is willful ignorance. A lot of it is like you love this person and you don't want to believe nasty things about them. So you just, you know, close your eyes and hope for the best. Yeah. And I wonder what that says to, like, younger readers. I actually don't know. I don't have an answer. Yeah. But when you're saying to younger readers that, you know, this girl grew up, in love with a tyrant um tyrant's not the right word what is the right word um it's pretty good anyway. yeah okay cool um and like and just overlooks everything like is it a warning to younger readers to like i mean mm. i don't think there's many young readers that are falling in love with like a person on that <laughs> level but no, is it this know. idea of like pay attention to the signs or is it an idea of like if you love someone who's bad it's okay like i think it's it's I think it's partially like a hold people accountable, but also remember like you you will be held accountable. That if you're being yeah. around people like this, absolutely, you know, try and educate them, try and point out these things to them and say, I can't be in your life if you're like this. But at the same time, if that's who they are and they're not changing, you're part of the problem if you're not, yeah. if you're complicit with that and if you're okay with that. If you're not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, and on like the topic of like holding people accountable, it's quite like like being complicit. It's quite an interesting thing for Cassandra Clare to say when she has been like quite complicit mm. in like a lot of things within her novels. I think like race is the one that like comes to mind the most. Yeah, for me. biggie. Um, and yeah, and she like completely like, I mean, she structures this world where there's people called downworlders. Mm-hmm. And they are like hierarchically like lower than the shadow hunters. Yeah, and she yet, constructs like, a superior race. Like that's it's never yeah. explicitly said, but it's it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It's just just what it is. <laughs> um, and it absolutely. And even like the fact she calls them downworlders. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was. Like, I mean, this is like just my obliviousness. When I was like twelve and I kept reading Downworlders, I kept thinking it meant like they're on like the lower east and west side of New York rather than like the upper. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I never realized it was playing on like the image of like hell versus heaven. It was just like <laughs> No, that's actually the brilliant. Of New York City. <laughs> I was like, oh, I just didn't get it. <laughs> I mean that says something nice about you, I suppose. <laughs> I love being oblivious <laughs> to racial injustice. I know. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I think it's really interesting with, like, Cassandra Clare because I don't – I mean, I haven't watched any of her interviews, admittedly. But yeah. I've never heard that she has ever acknowledged that it is an allegory for, like, you know, racial um, – oh. Segregation and hierarchy. Yeah. yeah, hierarchy and segregation and just racism in general. Um, but it is very, like, I mean, she kind of hits you over the head with it in the book, mm-hmm. but she never reaches a conclusion on it, you know? She never reaches a, like, this is clearly wrong. Or, like, you know. I think the thing is she's, she's kind of implying, like, you know, Clary doesn't really take part in the downworlders or scum sort of thing, but Jace does, and Jace does it very explicitly, and it's kind of seen as, like, a bit of an arrogant thing to do, a bit of a shitty thing to do, but, like, it's not, it's not you know, an irredeemable offense to think that and to say that it's kind of just like a quirky like he's he's just showing off he's just a bit you know a bit loud um 
and it's that's just crazy because you know like when when you look at I mean the same thing's done in Harry Potter with kind of muggles and wizards but it's explicitly pointed out I mean I hate to defend J.K. Rowling I really do but like it is explicitly pointed out that hating muggles is wrong and people who say that and do that are evil in this it's kind of like it's not the classiest thing to do but like they do it and they kind of it's not really addressed and none of them get held accountable for it none of them get even like I think like maybe three of them get a slap on the wrist from Clary yeah um who's been in this world all of five minutes and it's also Um, kind of like you're overreacting like like it's not a big deal Clary like calm down but I think it's also yeah 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 and I think it's interesting about this like concept of like intent behind it Mm -hmm. because if it was intentionally like an allegory then there should have been a conclusive comment on it you know like you look at every other like you know you look at animal farm you get a conclusion of like this Mm -hmm. is dangerous this is not right um whereas we never seem to get that we get like this idea that clary would like to partner with downworlders but we never get an explicit like your treatment of them is like i was wrong yes and there's never like a not only is your treatment of them wrong, but it is like completely like um, impermissible. Like you cannot continue with this, and you are going to be held accountable for what you have done already. Yeah, um, like Shadowhunters just murder them, like completely, like flat out, yeah. just kill them. Like, um, it's just so. And I think it's really interesting because if, like, if it was an intentional allegory, she's already messed up, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. she hasn't drawn any conclusions. And you can yeah, argue yeah, that she was yeah. being like letting the audience draw its conclusions, but I don't think that race is like yeah, racial issues. You should be letting YA audiences draw their own conclusions yeah. about. <laughs> Especially not when you've just like put Valentine as like a hey, like genocide, and then been like, but what do you think? Like it's up for debate. The <laughs> um, but then the alternative is that she didn't do it as an allegory and it just like was something she subconsciously yeah. wove into this world. Um, Which I think is worse. I don't know. It frustrates me. Because um, I feel like people love, I feel like a lot of, especially fantasy authors, love to write about race, but they're too scared to write about race. So they'll write something and be like, it's not, it's not race. Like, it's, it's this. Like, calm down. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, you're, you're seeing something that's not there. But they're exploiting yeah. like the experience and the emotion and the reality of that in their characters. A lot of often, like the the oppressed characters are white, and it's like this they're oppressed too. It's nothing to do with race, but like you can't get away from that. It's what it's based in. And then yeah, and then I find it interesting as well, like because it's like Cassandra Clare saying that we can't have a world without hierarchy and without racial hierarchy. Um, is because if it's just in, innate to us. Yeah, because she has a fantasy world. She can do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. She can create whatever, my, you know. This is my pet peeve. Yeah. Like, I hate so this. Why, why when the sky can, and I understand that it's, I mean, it's almost, it's not necessary for the plot, but she uses it for the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think from an, one aspect, she could probably argue that as her defense. I don't think it would hold up in court. Um, we are but, the court. Hold up. We are the court, and we've decided it doesn't hold up. Um, but it just frustrates me because it's like you didn't have to do this. Yeah, like you could have had any world you wanted. You did not have to suggest that in every parallel universe there is, someone still has to be the minority and be mistreated. Like, I find this in fantasy in everything. It winds me up because in every fantasy film book I've ever read and seen, fair enough, I don't consume that much of it, but still, um, they always still have like women staying at home, men going to war, um, people of color being slaves or inferior or not as powerful and like white men still holding the power. And it's like you had an opportunity to, like you had no restrictions and you still chose to do that. Why did you still choose to do that? What was the reasoning for that? That's really frustrating and like part of me wants to be like oh well like it's hard to imagine but they are yeah. fantasy authors if they can't use their imagination what if you are can they come up with injecting a pregnant woman with demon blood you can <laughs> you can figure this out you can get over it's not it's not impossible find a solution and it also bugs me because if the theory is that there is always going to be a hierarchy between races like that doesn't stand up either because yeah. the werewolves and the vampires and the fae and 
the warlocks have no hierarchy within their group. Even they're though, just lumped in. Even though the warlocks are so much more powerful and useful than, say, like the werewolves, but they're, they're not seen as superior. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like they, go, they get more like asked for help more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I just think it's a massive like, like symbol, like unintentionally, but it's a symbol of just like Eurocentric standards. Definitely. Like, um, you know, there's the white Europeans and then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's just so, and it's too on the nose, but it's not on the nose enough to be helpful or useful. Um, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. I think that is our time for today, though, on that sad, sad note. <laughs> After today's chat, would you pass it on? <laughs> um, I'm now questioning it. I know last yeah. one I said yes. I'm now thinking a little bit more about it. I think I still would. Um, I think it's all about yeah, I think I would. Thinking. I'm now starting to think, like, we haven't taken this into account on any of them, but with the, like, would you pass it on, it now becomes, like, is it going to be okay to pass on? Yeah. Will, will I like, be, yeah. Yeah, like in 10, 20 years, am I going to be like, oh, my God, like that was yeah. terrible. Um, but, yes, I would still pass it on if it stands the test of time. I probably would. I think as long as the person could think about it critically, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lovely right. time. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you all next week. Enjoy heart. We promise. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.